the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and his eternal kingdom with earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you again for joining me with Season Watch. And of of course, we want to start with prayer. So, all right, Jesus, um, we just thank you so much for uh, just the opportunities to be a blessing to each other. We pray that you help us, God, to see opportunities to love one another, to lift each other up, to pray for one another, Lord, to be in that spiritual battle for each other, God. These things are real, and so we thank you for your glory and your promises, and we just submit all the things that are on our hearts. We submit them to you and ask for your wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, there's so many things to pray about, and I tell you, as we pick up our discussion on the spiritual battle, I want to begin to bring to mind again what a privilege it is to live in America and to be a Christian in America. And this is because there's very little persecution for our faith at this time. And on the Richter scale of suffering, our most difficult challenge that we have as a, a church in America is we've maybe had like a 3.0 so far in being rocked, but not so in the rest of the world. And that's not to say that people here in America haven't had to endure personal sufferings. There's plenty of that, just as Jesus said would come because we're in a world full of sin and death and suffering and poverty and wickedness and a world of injustice. So it's true. But in America, until now, the strong presence of godly faith and the Holy Spirit in the church has suppressed all manner of open, systematic persecution of the church or open wickedness and barbaric cruelty, and which isn't the case in the rest of the world. And the fact that America is now so quickly transforming into a lawless, openly barbaric culture is a sign of where we are in the prophetic clock. And I know that um, if you've been paying attention, you see the strange things that are coming against our children and against uh, the things that this culture wants to do and call normal and the cruelty towards each other. It's, it's changing. And so we have to pay attention. And these things don't reverse as they begin to permeate our culture These vile practices infuse every aspect of our life, and they will never be purged, just as the civilizations in the past, just as in the days of Noah, just as the days of Lot and the kingdom of Israel and Judah, the only purging, the only cleansing, the only big change to the better comes from God and usually from his judgment. And so we have to be aware where we are. And it's enough that we in America and the the Uh, higher uh, civilizations, so-called, in the U.N., that we tolerate a world where Christians are actually brutally hunted and slaughtered around the world, where humans are imprisoned, tortured, and enslaved. 
and even subjected to live organ harvesting. I mean, there's just no question about these things anymore. And yet we say nothing. We hardly talk about it. It's not on the news. It's not being tweeted. It's not the top of the agenda. We have to stand against that. Nobody's doing anything anymore. That's not America. We see the change, and we tolerate that nations of the world are enriching themselves on the brutalizing of other nations, and we just stand by. And like uh, Ukraine, Ukraine is just being uh, hollowed out for um, to be divided among the nations for profit. And, you know, we just accept the narrative and we don't ask any questions anymore. And now it can't be hidden that developing nations in Asia, Latin America are harvesting children like chickens to feed our brutal, insatiable, satanic lust for unimaginable cruelties. And of course, if you've seen the sound of freedom, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. They did not include so many things that are now well known. And so we find it is America tamping down reports of these cruelties and brashly chiding and calling them right-wing conspiracies. Since when has America tried to oppress the idea of cruelty and injustice and human rights violations in the world. We're supposed to be the ones that shine a light on it, and now we're doing the opposite. And as the world's leader, I suppose, if we say nothing's going on here, then the world won't care. Trust me, they don't. And so, friends, it's no conspiracy in theory. <laughs> it is a conspiracy, and it's on purpose, and it's on purpose to defile and to sear every conscience in the world from stirring themselves up to seek God. Because just like in Nazi Germany, once we let these things happen and we know it's there, but we don't talk about it, we don't do anything about it. We say, hey, what can we do? Once we just let it go like that, well, we always hold those civilizations accountable, don't we? But not anymore. Where's our judgment? Where's our justice? Where's our voice? Where's our stand? We don't seem to care. Something's happened, and we must realize that there was a spiritual coup of America. I've talked about this in episodes past. After the spiritual coup, it was dedicated to Brahma, a demonic god, and the opening prayer of the 117th Congress, January 3rd, 2021. Look it up, friends, in the opening prayer, inviting the prayer over the entire United States because Congress represents the entire United States, they dedicated it to Brahma. Can you believe that? So uh, we, we have experienced a spiritual coup, and we've handed our nation over to the defilers, and most Americans don't care to notice. This is the culmination of America rejecting truth, sound godly wisdom, rule of law, and constitutional principles in the 2020 election. This is what Psalm 2 prophesied. Why do the heathens... Rage and the nations plan a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds away from us and cast away their cords from us. And so we're seeing this happening. We're, we're just maybe not perceiving it or understanding the significance of it. And so as we watch the dominoes of the last day's prophecies quickly falling, know that lawlessness will increase. Global governance will lock in and humans will be herded through narrow cultural shoots like cattle into the cruel slaughterhouse of Satan's ultimate dominion because he will ultimately have charge through the Antichrist. And that's where we're working towards. But in the meantime, there's a lot going on, and we're not gone yet. We have things to say. We have things to do. And so Jesus warned in Luke 21, 28, 34 through 36, when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws near. 
Take heed to yourselves, lest it, that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall come upon the whole earth, because they're not going to notice. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you are worthy to escape all these things coming on the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. See, most people think that they would notice if we were about to be in the last days. The Bible indicates over and over again that most people would just be asleep. They won't, they'll just gradually get used to things and it'll just gradually heat up around them. And then boom, like a snare, it, it will just, the moment will end, the trap will snap shut and judgment will begin. And so pray that we're worthy to escape all these things. Pray that you're watching and paying attention and doing the work of the Lord. Because when he comes, if you're one of his, he will take you, right? And we need others to go with us. We want to share the gospel. And if you're listening right now and you're like, I don't know if I would go or not, I even talk to Christians who love God and who say, well, I don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. And I go, well, I mean, it's all spelled out for you there. And then I ask, would you like to go in the pre-tribulation rapture and be spared from the wrath to come from God, which God says we're not appointed to wrath. I ask them, would you like to be spared from that? And they go, well, yes, of course. And I go, great. (laughs) Then I can show you how these things are true and you can have confidence in them. But for those who don't know Jesus yet, they're not guaranteed that they will go. In fact, that says that they, they won't get to go, that the Lord will close the doors and he will shut them and people will pound on the doors and say, Lord, Lord, can't we come in? And he said, you know what? I didn't know you. And so I urge you, friend, today, don't take that risk. You should know him. And, you know, our goal is not just to have salvation, but to be in his care. A lot of people look at the word salvation and they think, well, what does that mean? Salvation? What am I saved from? Well, look at it this way. Are you safe? See, salvation means you're safe. Are you safe in God's care? It's not just when you die. It's not just when the rapture comes. Are you safe in his care right now? Because uh, the Bible assures us that he turns all things to good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So it's every day safe. Are you guided by him, by his wisdom? Are you in his love and his, in his loving care? He loves you. And he's trying to get you to stir yourself up and to investigate and to know him. And so make sure you know him. And if you call yourself a Christian, I ask people, hey, if you died today, would you go to heaven? A lot of times they'll be like, yeah, sure. I mean, I've been going to church a long time. But I'll ask them, i say, how do you get into heaven? Um, what's the criteria? And they go, well, you know, I've been a good person. And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not a good person. That's not how you get in. Um, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. And I ask people, hey, are you, are you perfect? And they were like, well, no, of course not. Nobody's perfect. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's done good. Everything is like filthy rags. Everything we do is tainted by our sin nature. It's just we can't help it. And that's why Jesus gave himself, right? That's why God of heaven and earth, the creator of the whole universe, stepped down from heaven and he put on a man, like he dressed himself in a man because in order to inherit the world for us, he had to do it in the form of a man and suffer as a man and die as a man, die in our place and take upon uh, him all of our sins, even the cruelties. This is unimaginable. The cruelties of what the people out there are doing to each other right now, the most horrible, vile things you could think of, Jesus paid for that sin. Can you believe that? That's how amazing he is. I wouldn't have done it. I would have only paid for the ones that I knew were going to come to him. But guess what? He paid for the sins of the whole world, and yet hardly anybody accepts the gift 
I mean, no wonder he's going to judge the world because he is the one who paid for it. He literally paid the price. He bought the world with everything he had. It was very costly. And he paid for you to be in his care. And he loves you. But if you turn down so great a gift, you know, um, when you know it's true, you know Jesus really came and died. He, he died on the cross. I mean, these are not disputed facts. And he said, I come from above, and I give my life as a ransom. You know, a ransom. Look at that, how beautiful that is. And so, friends, make sure you know him in the world full of cruelty that the Lord wakes up your heart and shows you these things, right? And um, just to get a taste of the barbarity that's happening in the world. Now engulfing the world, I I recommend that you watch um, a guest speaker that just appeared at Calvary Chapel Santee on Sunday, July 23rd. His name was Wes Bentley from Far Reaching Ministries, and someone shared this with me, and he gave a quick overview of the types of special ops rescues that his team does around the world, like Afghanistan and Latin America and many, many nations. Uh, a lot of them, they're, they're secretly. But you might have heard about the withdrawal of people left behind in Afghanistan. His team was behind many of those, and it was very intensive. And uh, they continue to this day, and they even have saved, uh, they've saved Christians around the world, others trapped in these cruel places, and then they've also saved children. Um, from slaughter, and they uh, he they recently started going into Latin America and saving children, just like in the movie uh, Sound of Freedom. And so, I urge you all to wake up and investigate these things, and then to generously support ministries doing the work of protecting the persecuted church and protecting innocent life caught in the cruel gears of satanic takeover and spreading the gospel. They spread the gospel of hope into the dark world, and um, and they rescue people. Find, you know, there's so many good charities that are doing this. We're not doing it, and America's really the last hope. That's why Satan is trying to sear our minds uh, and being blinded and being caught up in these petty things that we're caught up in so that we don't really see what's going on. Because if America stands up and wants to help somewhere, we're the last hope. Um, he's trying to get us to just go into a slumber. And so anyway, I bring these things to our attention because we must open our eyes. Satan has provided this beautiful facade over everything that tells us that, um, oh, everything's fine, you know. And really, it's it, you can see right through it. Just look. Just look. You can see what's happening. And when we discuss spiritual warfare, we must realize how great this battle is. While we get drawn into these little skirmishes with each other over petty things, Satan's spiritual tanks are rolling through the cities of the world, taking great swaths of territory. And we're just like, oh, hey, you, you called me a name or you made me feel bad. For goodness sakes, we got to grow up. And we got to get our act together and we got to start, we got to get back on the wall and be the watchman, okay? And so that's why I draw your attention to these things and stop looking at the smallness of our lives and look at the things that God's doing in the Spirit and be a part of it. We have great power in the Spirit. God's promises guarantee that He wants to work through us. He's just looking for volunteers. And so many of us keep our heads down. And so we must keep all these things in the proper perspective so we can effectively operate and extract ourselves from these little traps that so easily ensnare us and keep us from moving forward in our assignment. Lots of times we're not even asking what our assignment is. We just want to live our lives, you know. But uh, God has, has saved us for a purpose, right? And so, friends, fasten your truth belts as today we discuss preparing for spiritual battle, surviving the wounds of a friend. 
and and those wounds hurt the most, don't they? And we certainly experience these wounds from people we trust. The question is, how do we recognize what kind of wound we have and how quickly we can battle dress it and keep ourselves moving forward, right? And as we've been discussing, the wounds of offense are really wounds of our pride. And last week, we focused on how we suffer persecution, injustice, and injury from a fallen world and how Jesus urged us to turn the other cheek and to pray for our enemies, right? Uh, But the problem is not all wounds of offense come from the world. That we can expect. We're, We're not surprised when the world's against us, right? Although they're quite painful. But the most injurious wounds we experience come from those who we trust, right? And these can quickly take us out of our assignment because they stun us and cut us to the heart. They shake our faith and can interfere with the very ministry we're in. And we see in the Bible that there are two kinds of these wounds uh, of a friend, and we might need discernment to know how to address them. So we know from Proverbs 27, 6, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Um, And so this could be interpreted in many ways. For example, the people closest to us are often honest about what they think, and sometimes that hurts our pride, or they say things that Satan twists um, and he twists what they're saying, and it gives us a ne- and gives them a negative motive, and so our pride is hurt, right? Oh, did you hear what they said? And uh, did you hear they talk to you? Oh, they don't think well of you, right? So Satan like reinterprets what they're saying, and that might not be at all what they're intending. Um, but First Corinthians thirteen four reminds us that love is patient and is kind, and that love bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, and endures all things. So we're reminded that people fail and we're growing. They're growing, we're growing. And while we must all strive to be patient and kind, when we believe that someone who loves us is being unkind, we must first believe that they don't really mean it Uh, or they don't mean it the way that we think and that perhaps it's our pride. That really should be our go-to. Am I taking this right? Don't I, don't I know that they love me? You know, I already know that. Why am I taking it this way? See, Satan's getting in there. He's trying to cause division, and we don't want to fall for it. And frankly, uh, when we're not very mature in the Lord, we get into all kinds of trouble with our pride, taking things wrong, snapping back when we perceive injury, repaying evil for evil. What are we doing? <laughs> And then what do we do? We start bringing up the past. But you, I remember the one time, why do we do this? You see, he loves it. He's just baited us into division. But friends, we can't be such easy prey for the enemy. We must learn to control our emotions, right? And so we must recognize what's happening and stop ourselves from getting carried away. And when we receive wounds from a friend, whether from a church or a believer or a ministry or especially a spouse or a family member or friend, we must see the trap and extract ourselves and dress the wounds quickly. And we do this, as we've been saying, through praise and worship, right? Just get into uh, praise and worship of God. That helps us to seek his face and to get into fellowship with him where we could get wisdom, right? And then we get into deep prayer. Ask God to show us what's happening. Show us the truth. We could trust God to show us. Don't defend ourselves to God. Ask God to show us, right? And then we have to apply the healing salve of the word, right? We must know the word. And so we know how to take things and to deal with them and how to heal from them and to trust God, get, deliver our trust to God so we could work through it in his manner, the way he prescribes. And so remember, we must trust the Lord when injustice and offense comes. Uh, our one mindset, regardless of the circumstances, is to follow Jesus' ex- his example and walk in humility, regardless 
of the circumstances. So we see in Matthew twenty three eleven, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever exalts himself will be humbled. Uh oh, I don't want that. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Yes, and it's humility, right, that brings promotion. That's how God uses wounds of offense to promote us and consider these events like training sessions, right? We get to practice and are the weapons that God has given us through the word and get to practice our trust for God to work all things out for good. That's what he says. So we, But we have to cling to that and grab on that again and not let our emotions get away from us, right? And so uh, then we'll really be ready for the next level if we could pass through this and keep moving forward and forgive and to work it all out. Uh, we see that way if we set our eyes on God and put our trust in him, um, how to do things his way, that's what he calls us to do. And in Romans 12, Paul describes the life of a believer towards each other. Bless those, oh, 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Verse 16, be of the same mind one toward another. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no, no one evil for evil. Don't get back at him, right? And if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, right? Because sometimes they won't let something go. We're going to do our part and live peaceably and to try to forgive and to heal it and mend it. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And what does that mean? Feed your enemy. Well, think about it. I mean, if somebody's hurt your feelings, you don't want to talk to them. Uh, if, if it's your spouse, you don't want to eat dinner with them. You could do your own laundry or whatever. Uh, you know, we kind of do that. Repay evil for evil. Give them the silent treatment. And um, that's just in the small ways. God says don't do that. Find a way. Fight a way through it so that you can have peace between the two of you. you got to figure it out, especially if you know deep down they do love you. We can't let these things get in our way. We have to process it and get through it. And then if there really is an injustice, pray for that person that God will reveal it to them. You can't always fight for yourself. They won't hear, but boy, they can't ignore God. So we learn to pray. Say, God, talk to them. That wasn't right. And in the meantime, make sure you're listening to what God has to say to you about the matter, right? And so this principle applies to non-believers, but also to wounds from within the church, a true believer or not. And Paul addressed the human nature that still dwells even in the believer and warns them to recognize these flaws and live humbly, peacefully, and patiently with one another, right? Let nothing be done, as Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem the others better than himself. Let each of you look after not only his own interests, but also the interests of others. That's hard to do, but that's that's the path. That's the healing. That's how God uses us. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, found in the appearance of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, God also highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name. And so even Jesus humbled himself for the task at hand. And we see that throughout the New Testament, believers are urged to grow in their, in their faith and prefer one another, to trust God, not to cling to our selfish pride. 
But this is because we're all still growing and we do have pride and we do think we're right all the time. Yet not everyone is right and not everyone is wrong. Sometimes both are right, but we won't humble ourselves to see it. Then that's what makes us wrong as believers. And sometimes well-meaning people get different ideas in their head, but disputes and dangerous uh, uh, create dangerous and bitterness and division in the church and in the family. And that's Satan's goal. Even Paul couldn't avoid it. You remember in Acts fifteen thirty six that they wanted to take Paul wanted to uh, go and visit the churches, and uh, Barnabas wanted to take Mark, and and Paul said, "No, I don't want Mark. He left us high and dry." And so there was a division, and they actually went separate ways. And so even when there's a dispute, they did their best to part and go to the work because the work in sincerity is the most important thing we can do. Even when people have different ideas about it, we must be peaceable and find ways to make peace. And there will be disputes. But Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride comes contention. Ouch! But with the well-advised is wisdom. And even well-meaning good believers have different views, and maybe that's good. Maybe God wants to do both things. But we must realize if we are having contention, there's likely pride involved. And we should not overlook the idea that it could be us. It's probably both of us. And so um, next time we're going to continue talking about how do we deal with these wounds that we receive? Because God has assignments for us. He wants us fit. He wants us quick to recover, to encourage, to lift each other up, to avoid divisions and actually repair divisions. Be peaceable. Bring peace to the church, to our families. Be the peacemaker. And that's where the reward is. And until next time... God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.